What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere. Visit highland.com. The Cincinnati Reds rotation is so loaded with talent that the guy who made the second most starts on the team last year is not expected to be in the opening day rotation. What do we make of Brandon Williamson? We'll tell you on today's Locked On Reds. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily source for all things Cincinnati Reds. I'm Stephen Offenbaker, he's Jeff Carr, and we love baseball. We love the Cincinnati Reds, and we have taken our love of the game and our love for this team, and we have turned it into information for you. Locked On Reds is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On today's podcast, we will be discussing what the Reds are going to do with Brandon Williamson in 2024. As Jeff said up top there, he's the second most starts out of the starting pitchers in 2023. Uh, They have a big decision to make with him. We are also going to take a look at the Hall of Fame class of 2024 and what it means for Joseph Daniel Votto. Uh, the Reds handed out their minor league awards as well, and we're going to tell you who won what, and we're going to round out the conversation today uh, by counting it down because the Reds are just 63 days away from opening day, Jeffrey, and we're going to take a look at who wore number 63 best in Cincinnati Reds history. Before we get into any of that, I want to shout out the sponsor of today's podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets back guaranteed when you place any $5 bet. That's right. Take Jeff's advice on the over, throw $5 at it. You win $150. That's the only time Jeff would ever win that kind of money. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started today. All right, Jeff, where we're going to get started is with Brandon Williamson. And Brandon Williamson did exactly what I thought he was going to do in 2023. If you recall, if we rewind in time to his call up, uh, what I said at the time is he had kind of peaked what he was going to gain out of being in AAA Louisville. And the Reds called him up. And I said at the time he would have his struggles, but that he would progress throughout the year by getting to face major league hitting and work with Derek Johnson on the regular. And that's exactly what happened. He basically became uh, one of the most consistent starters in a season that saw uh, what should have been a team strength starting pitching really get, you know, blindsided and waylaid. Uh, Brandon Williamson was kind of a model of consistency. He just went out there and did his thing and got a little bit better each time out. That leads us to 2024, Jeff. They've added Frankie Montas. Uh, Everybody's supposed to be back and healthy. And if you start counting spots and you start running the numbers, Brandon Williamson might actually be the odd man out of this rotation. He may be the odd man out. He could even be the seventh guy on the depth chart, depending on where you put Nick Martinez as well, who was signed to be kind of a go-between of the bullpen and the rotation. So I, I'm intrigued by this because Brandon Williamson showed lots of talent at points during the year last season, but he showed lots of question marks 
as well. I, I wrote about this over at InsideTheReds.com. If you are not bookmarked on InsideTheReds.com, make sure you go do that right now. But I, I wrote kind of an in-depth piece on this because there was a period of time through July and through August, those two months, where he made 11 starts and he had a 3.15 ERA. That's pretty good. And he he averaged just under. It was like just a shade under six innings per start. That's exactly what we're looking for. That's exactly what we want. But if you look at his first month and his last month, they weren't all that great. The month of September was very unkind to him. And there was a lot of question marks surrounding how much do the Reds trust him? Because if you look at most of his starts, he rarely got through the opposing lineup a third time. In fact, you know, there it's said that there were 19 different starts in which he got into the third time through the order, but it was only like a couple of at-bats each time. He had twice as many you know, at-bats against opposing hitters the first and second time through the order than he did the third time. It just really wasn't something that David Bell was comfortable with. You saw them go to the pen quite a lot in the fourth and fifth innings whenever Brandon Williamson started. And so that makes me wonder, and that makes me think that when everyone's healthy and you got these new additions, it really feels like the Reds are going to start him off in AAA kind of working on some things. It wouldn't shock me. And listen, when you look at his numbers in 2023, you go back to the two that I automatically zoom in on when we're talking about pitchers that strikeouts per nine walks per nine, his strikeouts per nine for his rookie season, 7.5. That's respectable. Walks per nine. Jeff was only three. You know, I keep saying if a guy is three or below, he was three and below. So I, I, I think that he, I think he was very underappreciated last year, if I'm being honest. And I, and I'm with you. I don't understand. Uh, some of the times that David Bell went and got him, uh, yeah. there were a lot of times where you and I were both, you know, either texting each other or when we were at the ballpark together saying, you know, let him try and battle through this. Let him let figure him cook, it out. Dave, come on. Let him, let him go. And it didn't happen now. Yeah. You're, and you're also absolutely right about his September numbers. I mean, uh, when you go all the way back to his final start of August, he went six innings, uh, against the giants, but then it was four innings against the tigers, four innings against the Mets, 4.1 against the pirates. And then he did manage in that final start of the season against the Cardinals to go six innings, uh, only allowing two runs in six innings. So, uh, there was a little bit. I wonder if if there was a little bit of arm fatigue there. I wonder. I, I wonder a lot about how he was handled. Here's what I don't wonder: when you look at what the Reds did this offseason, and, and you mentioned Nick Martinez, I'm not even counting him at all right. in this in this starting mix any longer. Uh, you know, we did an episode on this a few weeks back, Jeff, where we pretty much decided that when you talk about the Reds' starting rotation. Uh, if everyone is healthy and ready to go on opening day, this red starting rotation is probably Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, Frankie Montas, Graham Ashcraft, and Andrew Abbott. Those are your five. If I didn't say a name, in just order, in, yeah. those guys aren't in consideration for being in the rotation if everyone's healthy. I think that Williamson starts the season at AAA and, and not really even, Jeff, from a standpoint of going down there and working on things. I think it's just that they need to keep a couple guys stretched out as starters for spare parts. I think yes. that the signing of Frankie Montes really kind of ended the Nick Martinez starting pitcher experiment before it ever got started. I, I think he'll be off into the bullpen. I think that your backup starters then become Connor Phillips, Brandon Williamson, and then you get into the real spare parts of Lion Richardson or Carson Spires or some of those other guys. 
And I don't even necessarily, I don't agree. I think he does need to work on something because if you look at the numbers surrounding his breaking pitches, his sweeper and his curveball, they got killed. In fact, his sweeper was hit a third of the time and his curveball wasn't hit as much, but it was pounded. Both pitches uh, had a lot of slugging against them. He gave up a lot of hard contact there. And speaking of hard contact, that was a, a theme across the board for Brandon Williamson. When he was hit, he was hit hard, and he did not give up ground balls. It was only a thirty percent, thirty-seven percent ground ball rate that he allowed. So it's something that, and, and and I think that it's something that the breaking pitch will add to it because he didn't have a lot of chase. There, there weren't a lot of whiffs against him. He wasn't a kind of guy like I mean. I think he did a good job with his fastball and his changeup and his cutter as well. But he really needs that breaking pitch. He really needs, and we talked about this before, he needs basically Nick Lodolo's curveball that hits the back foot. Like, if he can develop that, then we are talking about somebody who breaks into this opening day starting rotation. But I just, I, I think that there is something to his game that he can add that the Reds are waiting for him to add. Because if he had those things, he'd been let to go through the third time through the order. They would have him stretched out a little bit more and pitched more. I think he would have had better strikeout numbers, and we would have been talking about him as a shoe-in for this rotation. Now, the point to be made is this. He's not going to make the opening day rotation. I still think he makes around 15 starts this year. I, I think that we know this from last season, from seasons before. The Reds have lots of different guys that start games. If you have talent down your depth chart, you can ensure that if you handle an injury, which Nick Lodolo has shown the propensity to get hurt, Graham Ashcraft has shown the propensity to get hurt, and so is Hunter Green, you're kind of covered with guys like Brandon Williamson. You know, if Brandon Williamson, as the number six, seven guy, makes 15 to 20 starts, that concerns me for this rotation, mm -hmm. Jeff. I, I, I think that what the Reds rotation, more than anything else, needs is some stability and, and to limit yeah. these injuries that they've been suffering the last few years. So I hope that you're wrong about that. I hope that as the seventh guy, sixth guy, I don't know where he would rank. You know, it's a toss up between him and Connor Phillips, probably. Uh, between... But I think it's a good thing that he's the guy that could make 10 to 15. Like, yeah. I know that it's it's not like, a, you know, the season is lost if he has to make 10 or 15. But it does say something about the top five guys if he does make those 10 to 15. Right. And, and to your point about him working on things, you're right. In, in what you recited there. He does need to work on uh, controlling the slugging against him and the hard hit rates. Uh, I think more what I mean is that I don't know that he hasn't learned everything that AAA has to teach him and that he needs to be sure. at the major league level working against major league hitters with Derek Johnson every day to fix the things you're talking about fixing. Now it'd be great if he can go down to Louisville and work on those things and come back with a better breaking pitch, a, a back foot breaker. You're absolutely right. If he adds that pitch, look out. It's a, it's a whole different ball game. But for me, uh, I feel bad for him because he really went out and did everything that was asked of him in 2023. And he's probably going to lose his gig. And, and that's, that's a bummer, but that's, that's the, the nature of the beast when you've got a team that has a, a serious chance to win its division and make a postseason push. Um, you know, those teams stash good spare parts down at AAA. And, and if there's an opportunity, great. But if not, sorry, um, you know, I feel bad for him. But I like that this is a whole different problem for the Reds to have. Man, we've come a long way since the offseason before 2022, right. haven't we? 
Yeah, and, and you look at a guy like Brandon Williamson, if he is not one of your top five guys, that means you had a pretty good offseason, I, I think. And I continue to think that Nick Crawl has done a fantastic job of building this roster. But yeah, I think that Williamson's kind of the odd man out right now. don't necessarily think that's a bad thing for him, but that shows the depth of this roster. You know, Steve, yesterday they came out with the Hall of Fame uh, announcement and three guys made it in. One guy in particular, I think, almost guarantees Joey Votto making the Hall of Fame. We're going to tell you exactly why that is coming up in just a minute. Before we get to that, though, I want to tell you about today's sponsor, and that's FanDuel. FanDuel's got this amazing intro offer right now. If you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, your first $5 wager, it's going to get you 150 bucks, win or lose those are not odds that you can get on any five dollar wager and that's definitely not something that you're going to get moving forward where it's a risk-free wager that's something FanDuel does for their new users if you've been thinking about getting into FanDuel today I don't know what you're waiting for they've got amazing options whether you're talking about point spreads money lines over-unders you've got prop bets you can combine prop bets in a single game for a single game parlay there's so many times that if I'm just turning on a game right now, especially in the offseason, you got hockey on, you got some basketball on. If I'm just enjoying a game, propping up with a cold one, I'm like, yeah, let's put together the same game parlay, see if we can make some money off this. And, you know, I rarely do. But if you're new to FanDuel and you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, then you'll get that risk-free first $5 bet. So check them out today. Plus, you can check out some futures. Red's still not favored to win the NL Central. Don't know what FanDuel's waiting for, but, hey, you can profit off that today. In fact, I got a DM from somebody the other day said that they took the over and they took the Reds to win the division. Do it on FanDuel and sign up today. Get a risk-free $5 bet and $150 in bonus bets back. FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL and the official sports book of Locked On. Thanks, as always, for making Lockdown Reds your first listen every single day. Had a lot of fun the last couple of days talking with Lucas Sims. A lot of fun seeing wardrobe changes over here on uh, the part of Stephen Offenbaker. Uh, <laughs> that was, if you're watching here on YouTube, if you're listening on audio, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But he had one shirt on, now he has something else on. I don't know why he changed while I did the ad read there. Um, threw me off. But we had a great chat with Lucas Sims. And then coming up on Friday, we have our Aloha Friday episode, Friday afternoon at 2 p.m. It's usual time. We would love to have you. So if you're an everydayer, you can become one by subscribing and not missing anything we've got coming for you. And before we jump into this Hall of Fame talk, a reminder, Locked On has the first ever 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. It's Locked On Sports Today. We cover the top news stories with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows that cover every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right, Steve, uh, the Hall of Fame vote, I think, really made Joey Votto smile. And if it didn't, it really should have. Joe Maurer, Todd Helton, and, um, wow, just blanked for two seconds. Adrian Adrian Beltre all made it in. Adrian Beltre and Joe Maurer were first ballot Hall of Famers. Uh, You and I disagree on Joe Maurer. That might be a conversation for Friday on the the episode because I think he absolutely deserved the first ballot Hall of Famer. But what I want to focus on today is Todd Helton. Todd Helton had been on the ballot for six years. And if Todd Helton makes the Hall of Fame, Joey Votto is a shoo-in, guaranteed Hall of Famer. 
No, you're absolutely right. And that's why the wardrobe change. I switched <laughs> my Joey Votto shirt to celebrate the fact that five years from his retirement, Joey Votto I should I can handle wardrobe changes in between right. segments. That I, feels like a lot listen, of infrastructure. I am I am multi-talented, <laughs> Jeffrey Carr. Don't you forget it. Listen, Todd Helton is is the player that really for me quiets the rest of the the skeptics as far as Joey goes. Because we can start digging into the numbers, right? Uh Todd Helton. 61.8 in war. Joey Votto, 64.4. Uh, home runs, you say. Uh, Joey Votto, never been a home run hitter, right? Too many walks. That's what the narrative was when he was playing in Cincinnati. Home runs, Todd Helton playing half his games at Coors Field. 369 home runs. Joey Votto, 356 with an opportunity to pass him if he plays this coming season uh, anywhere remotely close to the power that he demonstrated in 2023. Uh, the numbers keep on, Jeff. When you look at the OPS Plus, OPS Plus for Joseph Daniel Votto, 144. The OPS Plus for Todd Helton, well, 133. Joey Votto edges him there. And, and you can keep digging in these stats. When you start looking at the slash lines, when you look at overall performance, uh, Joey Votto is right there in the conversation or, or has surpassed him. And so for me, this is a no-brainer. This is the this is finally the Hall of Famer that, that gets elected that removes all of those naysayers and their narrative uh, for a long time. Now, I've been pretty irritated by the number of people that want to try and talk about Joey's just the Hall of very good. Get out of here with that stuff. Right. That is one of the worst takes I have ever heard. Uh, Joey Votto is probably one of the top three players to ever play for the Cincinnati Reds ever in its history. Yeah. And if you want to argue that, just go to the team site and start looking at the statistical leaders for this team throughout its existence. And you're going to see Joey Votto's name in the top two or three of a ton of those categories. And, and then you can, you know, take your narrative from there. But for me, Jeff, Joseph, Joseph Daniel Votto, Hall of Famer, no question in my mind. And I can hear it right now. I can hear people saying, well, if he's top three player, why has he never won a World Series? You know who else didn't win a World Series? Todd Helton. In fact... Here's another one for you, too. There's a lot of folks that say, well, how many MVPs does a guy win? Well, Joey's got one. Ah, maybe if he had another one, he'd look better. Todd Helton never won an MVP. I really think that this is a one plus one equals two scenario. I don't, I don't think there's any question anymore. The way that voting has sort of shifted, not necessarily completely changed, but shifted to allow the the on-base percentages and the slugging percentages to be something that they consider for hitters, that's something that's going to only benefit Joey. I mean, Joey has been one of the best on-base guys that we've ever seen, and Joey has slugged pretty well for his entire career as well. I, I think that this is a very easy scenario to port over you know i don't think that he's going to retire i think we're going to see him in toronto this year i keep saying that so maybe he plays one year maybe it's another two years but five years after he retires as soon as he is eligible dude's making it and i don't know i mean, I mean you know is he first ballot is he second ballot you know what i don't care because at the end of the day he's a hall of famer and he deserves to go in at some point no one's going to look at todd helton now and be like oh, it took you six years to get in He's still a Hall of Famer. He still gets that nice little gold banner at the top of his baseball reference page, and Joseph Daniel Votto would get that as well. You know, it's it's funny, Jeff. Uh, this segment's going to turn into a bit of a potpourri here because I, I have a couple just things to hit on. Number one, you talk about the voting 
for the Hall of Fame. And I have been probably one of the most vocal critics of letting the baseball writers continue to have that honor. I, it, a new system needs to be developed. It needs to be taken away from them. They've been very bad at it for a very long time. Uh, that being said, they were better this year. I don't know if you saw the metrics on this, but the average number of players per ballot went up from five point something to seven point something. So more writers were picking more players. Uh, no blank ballots were submitted this year, which has been one of my biggest pet peeves with the baseball writers. So no blank ballots were submitted. So they got it a little bit better this year, and I hope that's a sign of things to come. Uh, otherwise, there needs to be a total overhaul of this system. Talking about the, the first ballot, second ballot, third ballot, listen, I hate that stuff. If you're a Hall yeah. of Famer, you're a Hall of Famer, and you were a Hall of Famer the day you retired. When you were done playing, those were the end of your statistics. So this first ballot, second ballot stuff, the fact that Mariano Rivera was the first unanimous selection into baseball's Hall of Fame is absolutely ridiculous. Just let that let that sink in for a second. It wasn't Willie Mays. It wasn't Johnny Bench. It wasn't King Griffey Jr. It wasn't Joe Morgan. It wasn't any of those guys. Sandy Koufax, nope, he wasn't unanimous. There were guys that thought those dudes weren't Hall of Famers. And yet, Ted Williams, somehow, nope. Ted yeah. Williams, nope. And somehow, I mean, you can go down the you can go down the legends list, and then when you talk about Mariano Rivera being a unanimous Hall of Famer, let's talk about the inconsistency there for a second. He's a unanimous Hall of Famer, and then the guy with the second most saves right behind him, Billy Wagner, still not a Hall of Famer. Still, still keeps getting, still keeps missing it. Shout out to our our friends over at Lockdown Astros. They're just having a time of it right now, trying to figure out the logic behind all of that. But I'm with you. I think that the the voting process, well, it doesn't necessarily need to be taken away from the writers. I think we need to bring in current Hall of Famers, like living Hall of Famers. They should get a vote. Maybe some some managers, people around the game, people who saw these guys up close and. You can start some argument of like, well, if they saw them up close, that means they're too close or too biased. I almost feel like there's an anti-bias with some of the writers because of how they were treated by some of these players. So I think that there needs to be a revamping, but not necessarily taken away from all the writers and stuff like that. I, I see that they understand the game from a certain point of view. You need to bring in the player's point of view, the manager's point of view, and put that all together. I think you will get a much better haul. I'm not a small haul guy. I'm not a big haul guy. I want there to be a, a right haul, like the, the middle ground. Give me the middle ground. And I think that's how you do it. But I think that Todd Helton making the Hall of Fame one plus one equals two. Joseph Daniel Vado, you and I, uh, we better get our, our savings account for going to Cooperstown together. Oh, we're going. Money. We are 100% going. You folks, you can count on it. When Joey Vado goes right. into the Hall of Fame, Jeff and I will be there. Absolutely yes. 100%. And look, you can't be on team Hall of Fame for Helton and not be on team Hall of Fame for Joseph Daniel Vado. Helton becoming a Hall of Famer is a really, really good sign for Joey Vado. All right, coming up, the Reds handed out their minor league awards, Jeff, and we are going to take a look at who won what. We're also going to be counting it down because we are just 63 days away from opening day, and we're going to tell you about the greatest Reds player to ever wear the number 63. We got all that coming up next. You can follow us in between episodes on social media. You can follow us at X. Jeff wants to be an X-Men, so you know, call him that. He'll really love it. 
Um, you can follow him on X at Jeff Carr. That's Jeff with three F's. You can follow me at S Offenbaker. That's with two F's. And you can follow the show at Locked on Reds. Also, Jeff mentioned earlier, get over to InsideTheReds.com and bookmark that site. We're all writing about the Reds over there. Uh, lots of Reds coverage in written form with a lot of great writers. I uh, hope you can have an uh, opportunity to check that out. And our Discord server. The Discord community is growing. It is booming. Lots of conversation there about the Reds every day and about not the Reds. We've got Bengals channel. We've got off-topic channels. We've got a, a share your feelings about David Bell channel, which gets really interesting in season. And so much more. Uh, the link for our Discord server down in today's show description. All right, Jeff, 63 days remain until opening day and the Reds handed out their minor league awards. Let's start with the good old number 63, because uh, we finally started getting into a group where, you know, the name, the list gets longer uh, working backwards from most recent right now. Fernando Cruz is wearing number 63. Uh, Philip Deal in 2022 wore it uh, Aristides Aquino at one time donned number 63 uh, Chris Dickerson has worn it Buck Coates which might be my favorite name on this list wore number 63 and going all the way back to the first red to wear number 63 in 1938 big Jim Weaver wore number 60 Jim Weaver he played so well in 38 pitched so well in 38 that they just decided to pseudo retire that number for like 60 years that's that's really fun no it's um it's random to see these these higher numbers and i know that you know we talked about this before that if you're a higher number player you're probably not making the opening day roster and i think that's why we've not seen a lot of these higher numbers as we get into the lower numbers it's going to be a lot of fun to debate who the best number you know number 19 or something i think we know who the best number 19 is but um when it comes to 19 you're not on you're not on the you're not in the competition. Uh, but yeah, you go from Jim Weaver to Durnell Stenson in 2003. But yeah, it's Sam LeCure, uh, relief pitcher extraordinaire, other than, you know, Lucas Sims. And then also Bally Sports Broadcaster extraordinaire as well. Always love listening to him. I, I love him. He's been on. He was on last year, remember? So friend of the yeah. show. I need to get him back on here. But um, oh, definitely the best number 63. Uh, something else that I want to spend some time on the Reds announced their minor league awards and a couple of guys that we have talked about ad nauseum and one guy that we haven't but the future is very interesting for this guy uh first of all the player of the year for the reds minor league system was blake dunn and you and i were kind of discussing this off air uh, dude really had a power surge last season he did listen when you look at his career numbers through all levels of where he's played looking at his baseball reference page the home run totals go like this jeff three five two two three, four, one, 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 four, four. That's his numbers. Then you get to last season, 2023. And for high A Dayton, he hit eight home runs. Oh, okay. Numbers coming up a little bit. That was in 47 games. He also went on to play 77 games at double A Chattanooga, where he hit 15 more for a total of 23 home runs in 2023, a real power surge for this guy, Jeff in 2023, his slugging percentage, 522. And not bad. And you look at the fact that you add in the power with the speed. He got 54 steals between Dayton and Chattanooga last year as well. Power and speed, something that the Reds uh, kind of build their roster around, really. Then you look at the position player of the year, which, uh, you know, we were kind of discussing the, the weird dichotomy of player of the year, position player of the year. But I guess it's like the Heisman Award and the Maxwell Award, something like that. Uh, but Jacob Hurdy. Mentioned- 
Yeah, Jacob Herdebees gets position player of the year award, and he had an interesting stat for me because, I mean, we can talk about a slash line and all that other stuff. He actually had more walks than strikeouts between Chattanooga and Louisville, so he even got the AAA, still maintained the ability to to get on base more than he swung and missed, and I really like that for him, along with his slash line and his steals and things like that, which were impressive as well. And his slugging, listen, his slash line, Jeff, for all of 2023, man, 330, 479, 483. Uh, he had a great year. Um, I don't think we've spent a lot of time just because, you know, and we talked about this some in 2023, Jeff. We had a tendency in 2021, 2022 to really dial in on the minor leagues because, I mean, let's face it, that there wasn't a lot to talk about. The team right. was bad. But as the as the big league club has gotten better and these rookies have started making debuts, there was a lot more material to cover at the big league level. We really haven't spent a lot of time talking about the minor leagues per se. Uh, but Blake Dunn and Herdebees, they both had amazing years. And while room is limited, at some point in time, these guys are already knocking on the door and they're going to kick it open. And it's going to be really interesting to see what the Reds do with him, because as you say, uh, Herdebees played 36 games in AAA Louisville next last season. It's not unreasonable to say that he would be expected to start again at Louisville to continue to develop a little bit more. But when you start getting around the all-star break, if he's still hitting at the clip, I mean, listen, he hit 390, 537, 460 just at Louisville. If he's still sitting in, in above 300 as a hitter come the all-star break, there's going to be a question of when you can get him up to the big leagues. It will, it will demonstrate that he has achieved all he needs to achieve at that level. Same with Blake Dunn. If they're both performing that way, going to be interesting. Might be easier for Blake Dunn to crack the big league club because he's because he bats right-handed. Herdebees, of course, bats left-handed, and that's a problem in the Reds' outfield right now. So Blake Dunn may have more opportunity to, to crack the lineup, I'm saying, just because the Reds need of a right-handed platoon partner for these left-handers. Could see that being something that, you know, if there's an injury to to Will Benson or Jake Friley misses time or something like that, maybe you could call up Jacob Herdebees and see what you got. Um, it, it's, worth, it's worth noting that if we hear his name, know that he has had a pretty decent couple of years in the minor leagues, there might be some reason to be excited. I still haven't heard a lot of chatter about his prospect status and what his future might hold for the Reds. So he, he would be coming for more of a TJ Friedel position than he would, you know, like a, a top prospect guy, but and he does play all, he plays all three outfield positions. He does. Also. He can play, he can play anywhere yeah. in the outfield. So that'll be interesting to see. And then one other guy, too, before we get out of here, pitcher of the year, Julian Aguiar, not Chase Petty, not anybody that has been a big name that we've heard a lot about. Julian Aguiar, he was a 12th round pick in 2021, same draft, of course, with Andrew Abbott and Matt McClain. Uh, but in the 12th round, he had 125 innings with a 2.95 ERA across Dayton and Chattanooga last year. Love to see that. And the strikeout to walk ratio was pretty good, too. It was strikeouts per nine, Jeff, 9.9 .9 on the entire season. And I love the fact that he has 125 innings on his arm last season. That arm is, is strengthened. It's stretched. I love that. Uh, to go along with that 9.9 .9 strikeouts per nine, Jeff, walks per nine, 2.7. He is exactly where I would want him to be uh, for a pitcher that would be heading to the major leagues. I, I think that uh, he's going to make some noise. 
in 2020. He got an invite to spring training too, so he we'll did. see him in Goodyear. We're going to see him, and it's going to be interesting to to see. Obviously, there's not a lot of room for him to to be a rotation piece right now. But we talked about, you know, what's the spare part order? Is it Connor Phillips, Brandon Williamson? What's that look like? I, I really think that Julian's going to be on this list. Uh, he might be mm-hmm. number eight. He might be the third spare part amongst the starting pitchers, uh, catapulting past Carson Spires and Lion Richardson and those guys. Uh, but I think he's going to be in the conversation, and he's definitely somebody that we should be paying attention to in 2024 to see how he continues to progress. Big picture. Kind of wonder, you know, we're talking about Chase Petty and Rhett Louder in 2025. Could Julian Aguiar also be on that list? I mean, the Reds could continue to just have a very awesome pipeline of young arms as we move through next year and, you know, years past that. It's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, this this farm system we continue to say is deep, and I just don't think we understand just how deep it is. And Julian Aguiar shows that. I know we're super short on time, but I do want to say this. Here's why I would rate him higher on the depth charts than any of the guys you just mentioned. Chase Petty, Lion Richardson. Uh, who was the other one you said? Carson Spires, um, Carson Spires and Rhett Lauder. Here's why I would rate him farther ahead of any of those guys. Lauder's coming off the arm injury, hasn't pitched professionally yet, needs to, needs to see what kind of workload his arm can carry. Uh, Julian's farther along than that. With Chase Petty, uh, again, it's the about number of innings pitch. He pitched 125 at AAA versus what Chase Petty's done. Uh, Lion Richardson demonstrated that he wasn't stretched out, couldn't go deep into games. He needs to develop more of a, a wear and tear on his arm before he's ready to call up. It, it all kind of lines up for Julian. I, I think that he could slide in there. And, and, and to your point earlier in the show, the number of times the Reds have to, to go to AAA to fill a pitching role, even if it's just for a start or two, a uh, doubleheader, uh, one guy misses a turn. I think we could see him. I really think that he could find his way to Cincinnati in 2024. It's very intriguing because, yeah, I mean, that's that's twice, almost twice, like just under double the amount of innings that Chase Petty had last year. So be interesting to see. Julian Aguiar, not a name we've talked about a lot. Maybe we'll have to have a more in-depth discussion about the depth chart of the prospects the Reds have not called up on the pitching side yet. Maybe that'll be something we talk about on Friday as well, because you should tune in on Friday. we got Aloha Friday coming up at you, a live episode where you get to drive the ship. Questions, comments, and all that stuff from our YouTube comment section. We would love to have you at 2 p.m. Friday afternoon. That's going to do it for us, though, here today. Very much appreciate everybody for checking out today's episode. If you're not an everyday or become an everyday, or if you got to this point, if you're listening to Red's Talk here in January and you've gotten all the way through 30 minutes of this, I don't know why you're not subscribed. You should absolutely hit that button. Hit the like button because we'd love to have you. We love our everydayers. You guys are the reason that we do this, and we're looking forward to it. We met a couple everydayers, by the way, at the Reds Winter Caravan the other day. I want to shout out John and Eli, a couple of awesome dudes there. I got a chance to meet at the Reds Winter Caravan. All right, Steve, take us away. All right, we're going to continue to monitor the rumors. We're going to keep looking at the transactions throughout Major League Baseball, monitoring what the Reds are doing and what everybody else is doing. We're going to gather up all that information as we get closer and closer to pitchers and catchers reporting on February 13th. We're going to bring it back right here to keep you locked on Reds every single day. If this wardrobe change thing is going to become a thing, I'm going to need Hannah on standby because I can't do it by myself. For God help us if you have a malfunction.